0: Well, welcome to our brand new series called Cliché, and and what I want to do is make sure that everyone is welcome, and so so for the first time, drum roll, for the first time, uh, all of you folks at the East location, we're glad that you're a part of what's going on. Yeah, let's give it up. So, so welcome from East uh, to the fellows at RCMU. We're glad that you're in on this. We're all going through the same series called Cliché. What we're going to do is kind of open up some of the things that you and I say frequently, often, usually optimistically at times, and just figure out if there's some danger in, in some of the stuff. So, so, so let's open it up this, this way. One of the things that I like to do when our family gets together, usually on vacation, is put together puzzles. Uh, does anyone else like to put together puzzles? Is, uh, any puzzle lovers? Okay. So the, the four of us uh, are going to t- enjoy this. Uh, I, I like putting puzzles together, especially with the kids. It's fun. It's one of those things. I mean, just here's why I like it. It really has nothing to do with whatever the stupid picture is. I don't care. I, I just like to start something and finish something. I, there's something about it. It's like, yeah, I did that. Boom. That's what I did with my day. <laughs> I like to do that. And in fact, I'm going to confess this, uh, and, and you're going to think that I've got issues, which I, mean, I, I do. You're right. Uh, I don't like doing puzzles that have already been opened. I don't like to. I, in fact, I'll check it. I literally will check it. And here's what I'm checking for, because if it's, if it's been opened and used before, there's a chance that there's not a piece in there. And I will lose my mind. I mean, I don't know. I, you, you would definitely not ever want me to be your pastor if you saw me get, you know, mostly done with the puzzle. And be like, there's seven missing pieces. People are going to die for this. <laughs> I mean, I can't stand it. I, I can't. And in fact, I, like I told you, I, I'll look to make sure that it hasn't been opened. Like, okay, this is a safe puzzle to put together. If it, if it has already been opened, like, kids, you know, why don't you do that? That's good for you. And, and daddy will support that. Because I'm like, I'm not messing with that. I, and I don't, I, sometimes, okay, okay, let's get really open here. Uh, we've been doing a puzzle before. I noticed that we are not going to have all the pieces. And so I'll Google, if you do not know this, there are websites that will help you order the missing pieces. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so some of you, you're not puzzle people. You're like, that is a waste of time. Listen, listen, I, I, I get that, and I know some of us aren't into that, but I would say that, that most of us are similar in that we like to have all of the options in front of us. Let's say you've got a problem. You've got to decide, you know, are you going to take that particular job, or which job do you apply for? You like to know all the options, put it all on the table. What's going to happen? What, what's, how does that play out? And, or if you've got an issue, that's called a problem even. You've got a problem? You like to know, okay, what can we do? How can we do it? Like, what what direction can we go? Most of us, when we're walking through life and we have that conversation about how do we do this? Will we be able to do this? What do we do now? All of us, I would say, crave naturally all of the puzzle pieces to be available. And frankly, that's what stresses us out, isn't it? When all of a sudden you realize What you're trying to overcome or attack or process through is missing something. It's missing some information that makes the conversation more difficult or the problem more difficult or just frankly, it puts us in the world of uncertainty. And that idea of living life with all the pieces or without some, you're like, easy choice there, David. (laughs) And that's how we see life and we like that. The problem is, is when the piece is missing, we insert a cliche statement. Here's the statement. It's good-natured. It's, it's very good-natured. See, some of you are going to think, oh, no, I said it. I'm, no, you're not horrible. I've said it. I've said this. And, it, and it, it, there's an optimistic encouragement piece behind it when you don't know where the piece is. Well, it's okay because everything happens for a reason. And you're like, that helps us. We feel better. When someone tells you and you're going through a bad day, school didn't go the way you wanted it to, and you got you got you didn't make the team or you failed this or you went to work and it didn't play out way. And, and someone says, they love you. They they genuinely love you. I'm like, don't worry. Everything happens for a reason. And you look at them and be like, shut up. <laughs> <clears throat> because that's right. Most of us are like, you know what, you're right. That's so encouraging. I don't even feel worried. And no, no. Typically it doesn't satisfy the person walking through stuff. And I'm not arguing and saying that it's totally misguided. I just think that it sets some of us up for what I would call a landmine. It it can distort our view of God. This idea that everything that happens, absolutely everything that happens, happens for a good reason, well, that'll mess with you. If all of a sudden you have something that you don't know why it's going, it starts your view of God, your view of the people around you, your view of life just starts to get distorted. And so that's why I wanted to talk about it. Now, some of you, you are theologians. You know the Bible backwards and forwards and upside down, which is weird to read it that way, but you know your Bible really well. And you think, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a verse. There's a verse that tells us that everything happens for a reason. I think for those of you thinking about that, you're thinking about Romans chapter eight, where it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. You're like, see, everything happens for a reason. David, you're wrong. Your sermon is horrible. So, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, just let me, let me help you understand, don't skip over words, don't assume our opinion into this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good, So just for clarification, to help you understand this, that means that good is not in everything. I know we know that, but it's good to state that. And we know that in all things, God works for the good. Yay, that sounds awesome. Of those who love him. That's tough, that's a tough pill to swallow. That's a tough moment of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What I want us to know is, is this verse is powerful, it's potent, you put it in your life, it's good. But you need to know that this does not tell us that everything that happens has a good reason to it. Right? We would believe that. Oh, that's right. And that's why we get into some dangerous territory. What I would call dangerous situations, dangerous assumptions. When we start to think that everything we always walk through has a good reason somewhere. Because it distorts stuff in such a way that some of us lose our faith. We, we lose our joy in life because we're thinking someone told me somewhere that there's a good reason to this and I can't find it. So that must mean, well, so we go through a list of things. God must not like me as much as those people. He must not love me as much as those people because I can't find the good reason that someone put something on Pinterest for me to find and I was like, I can't find it, right? And so that's why we've got to have this conversation because we set up potential landmines. When we say cliche statement but we don't know where that can lead someone because let's just press into the statement. The idea that everything happens for a reason, it's meant as an encouraging word and it's always meant for encouraging. Uh, We got to press in that someone could interpret as a negative, where the bad going on in your life, oh, that's your fault. In fact, some of you may have grown up in a legalistic setting where you were taught that if bad happens in your life, it's because you did something wrong. And frankly, church, that's not always right. I mean, sure, it could be right. You did something stupid, but maybe you didn't, and you still got bad going on. So that's why I want to press into this, some of the landmines. In fact, I want to get into where this could actually take us. Uh, here, here's how I want to say it: to say everything happens for a reason is to imply that everything happens. Everything that happens is necessary. Just want to stay there for a second because I don't think I don't think us I, I don't think us as a church collectively believe this. I don't think we would look at all the events in the world. Come on, let's press into that. I don't believe all of us would say, yep, everything that's going on in our world right now is necessary. In fact, I don't need to give you a list, do I, of all the bad that you and I would say, yeah, that's not necessary, that's not necessary, that's not necessary. So we've got to press this even further because if it's not necessary, then we've got to step back from some of the things that we're saying and encouraging with people. Now let's get to the conversation about God. Everything that happens is not something that God wants to happen. Again, these statements I want to just sit in for a moment. Everything that happens is not something that God wants to happen. Now, and I know some of us who have been wondering that. I have that conversation over and over again. Classic conversation. Is does God want me to feel this pain? Does God want me to have to go through this? Is God alive? Is he around? Is he aware? What's he doing? Why does he let this happen to those people? But it can't happen to us. And and we figure out, like, God, what are you doing? And that's why everything happens for a reason. Has the potential to lead us down a path of misunderstanding God. Everything that happens is not something that God wants to happen. I can prove it to you for those who are like, I'm not sure I believe you, David. Uh, if you don't believe me, it's fine, it's fine. But I can prove it to you. I can, I can actually unfold something where you're like, okay, this helps, and it goes, let's go back to the beginning of our Bibles. Genesis chapter 2 unfolds a story that we're all super familiar with. So let's look at this. Genesis 2, and the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden. Yes, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you're going to die. Now let's stop for a second. I want crystal clarity on this. Do we all agree that God says, here's what I want to happen, and here's what I don't want to happen? we all there, right? God has stated here, here is what you can do, but here's the one thing. One. Uno. He may have spoken. I don't know. But he's like, here's one. Here's the one thing that I do not want to happen. And and you got the picture the situation. It's paradise. It's perfect. Everything is amazing. And he says, all right, I made this for you, and I did a good job. It even says it in the Bible. He says. He knows he did a good job. It's amazing. So he sets it up. He's like, this is amazing. Just here's the one thing I don't want to see happen. I don't want this to play out this way. And so you know where we're going with this. You know the story. Genesis chapter 3. Here's what happened. They didn't listen. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? You heard that. You know that. He's saying, did you do what well, the one thing I didn't want you to do? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman, <laughs> sorry, <clears throat> whole other sermon. Uh, the man said, the, the woman you put here with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Now, some of you are nudging, like, see, that's what you do, honey. Hun- no, so, but don't, no, just keep going. Then the Lord God said to the woman, uh, what is this you have done? The woman said, the devil made the devil made me do it. And you see this blame game going back and forth. And again, like I said, we will preach that sermon. Uh, but, but what I want, I want you to see is God said, hey, here's the one thing I don't want to happen. I don't want this to happen. And it happened. And unfortunately, the way God is in a good way is that he's a just God. And it's not, he's not a bad parent, in other words. There's consequences to the bad decision. Genesis 3.22 unfolds all the consequences in that. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him. I mean, just stop for a second. Can you imagine how much that broke God's heart? He made paradise. He made perfect. And he's like, I gave him one stinking rule so the lord god banished them from the garden of eden to work the ground from which he had been taken what i want you to see in this and i think we can all agree god did not want that to happen but it happened didn't it it happened in fact from that moment you need to know that that when sin got introduced when when we broke god's rule that broke the world the world is broken. The stuff that you and I have to deal with and sift through all the time, the gross, nasty stuff of, of, of betrayals, relationships that fall apart because someone did something they shouldn't have done, the diagnoses that are ugly and lead you to a point of desperation and worry. God didn't intend that. And so you and I got to press a little bit further in in this whole storyline of of Adam and Eve and and living in paradise, but then they broke God's rule, which which, which broke the world, and now we've got sin and ugliness and and weeds. I mean, if you're like, where'd weeds come from? Mm, I just told you. This is where the bad stuff came from. We do not process this. We do not live in the exact same environment that God wanted you and I to live in. It's broken. And unfortunately, in that brokenness, we have to process an enemy, the devil. Here's what the devil wants you and I to process. So, so when things are going good for us, when you're like, you got the pay raise, or school's going awesome, or you just had your first kid, and everything's amazing and awesome, here's what the devil wants you to believe is, is that you're responsible for that. Like, you brought it. It's you. It's all you. Everything good, it's all you. That's what the devil wants you to believe. And then when it's bad, it's not you. It's God. Bad is God, good is you, and because what he does is he traps you and I in this thinking that God doesn't do good. Or at least God doesn't do good for us. And even it goes to a more dangerous level. Some of us wonder, like this control thing that God has, is is he off of his throne? Is he he doing something? Is he involved in my life or is he distracted? Uh, So that's why I wanted to talk about this, this control thing. See, God being in control of everything does not mean God is the cause of everything. I really want to sit here for a moment. God being in control, if you don't understand what I'm meaning by that and intending by that, is God has not stepped off of his throne. He is the creator of all. He is all-powerful, all-knowing. He is in control. But this makes it difficult for you and I to process. He's in control, but he is not the cause of everything, despite what some people say on TV. Not every bad storm is God's judgment on this world. Not every cancer diagnosis is God saying, You have been bad, and so I give you this. So many of us got to process this. this is a big statement. This will either build your faith or wreck it. God being in control of everything does not mean that he is the cause of everything. And this helps us because when you walk through life, isn't that the question we ask? Who did this? Or maybe deeper, why me? Why is this happening or Why is this not happening? And so at first glance, I have just offered you the most depressing sermon you could ever hear. Some of you are like, wow, this is different than Easter. (laughs) Everything happens for a reason. I kind of liked that. That was helpful, at least in an optimistic way. But God gave us something stronger, okay? If you're willing to listen and track with this, if you're willing to press into this, God gave us something far stronger, far more stable to walk with us through stuff. It's in Romans 8. If you kept on reading from the verse I read earlier, Romans 8, verse 37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors. If you don't know what this means is we kick things in the butt. We beat things. We conquer things. We don't just say, oh, that's not that big of a deal, or I bet that's here for some certain reason. No, we conquer it. But here's how. It doesn't just say, yeah, everyone's a conqueror, and, and don't worry about it, because we have examples. We know people who did not conquer what was going on. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him. You need, I need God. This is at the core. This is not where we just need God to to save us. We need him to walk with us, and he has extended and offered and promised and is faithful to it. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It's out of love. It's powerful. So what I want you thinking about the missing puzzle piece in your life right now, that missing piece or the piece that's there and you don't like it, are you walking as a conqueror would walk, or have you given up? Some of us have given up. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, just in case, like, hey, if I didn't cover it, now I'm covering it, everything, will be able to separate us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You and I have got to press a little bit further into this. Everything does not happen for a reason, but our response can accomplish a purpose. You and I are called to be conquerors, but we need God to be a conqueror. You and I cannot do it by ourselves. And so if you're looking at life right now or the day that you do look at life and you're thinking, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do. I don't know where to go. You are designed to be a conqueror if you trust and lean in and require God in your life. The question is, have you given up? So I want to put in front of you one of the most profound, brave stories I have heard in recent days. In fact, I was after church one day, talking with a fountain springer named Lisa, and she began to unfold for me her life and situation. And then she began to unfold her perspective. And it gripped me so much that she was willing to capture it. So as you process the missing puzzle piece in your life or perhaps the piece you don't like i want you desperately to hear lisa's story so give your attention to the screens.
1: i grew up in virginia uh born at the danville hospital but we lived out in the county we lived in a little community called spring garden um it was about the size of my living room (laughs) <laughs> very small um, lived with my mom my dad and my brother went through a bunch of failed relationships because I was not seeking God's will for my life I was just making my own decisions and that never turned out very well but finally I met Stephen well we went to high school together but we really we didn't. Connect in high school. We weren't friends in high school. I just knew him from high school. It was the Saturday before Mother's Day, he asked me to marry him. So we, of course, I said yes. Beautiful ceremony, just best day of my life. Best day of my life ever. We got married in September. The very following November is when I was diagnosed with diabetes. Went to the doctor for some other issues, thought it might be my thyroid. and. They, of course, checked my sugar and everything, and I I actually saw when the doctor was scrolling through the computer, um, they had checked my A1C, and it was 8.3. And the beginning of diabetes is 6, and I just cried. The worst part, I think, about it is when I was talking to people, I would say, at least I don't have cancer. We were just trying to figure out if we had kids, you know, what would we do about grandparents and support system, and we thought that possibly it would be better out here. And everything is so different here. And then the bottom falls out. Stephen got his insurance in November, so I went to the doctor to establish care for my diabetes. I have had the cyst in my breast for years. I'm talking probably since I was in my 20s. And I've had it checked out periodically um, back in Virginia, and I was told it was a fibroid cyst, very common in women my age, nothing to worry about. And I wholeheartedly believe that's what it was. My dad had a brain tumor for like 17 years that was benign, that all of a sudden, became cancer. So I knew that there was stuff that could be in our bodies that could be perfectly fine, and then all of a sudden, not fine. So I went to the doctor, and we did the diabetes thing, and she checked it out, and she scheduled me for a mammogram, which is something I've never had before. I've always had ultrasounds. So I went in for the mammogram, And the tech told me that the doctor would most likely want to do an ultrasound. I was like, fine, you know, that's perfectly fine. I've had a million of them. So she does the ultrasound, and she tells me that she wants to do a biopsy. That was a little scary in itself, because no one ever said before they wanted to do a biopsy. And she took the sample, and she told me right there that she was expecting it to be cancer. So the very next day, she calls and says, the he came back, and it was like I expected it's cancer. It wasn't why me? It was why here? Why away from all my family and all my friends? Why now? I didn't want to go through what I needed to go through to fight it. I didn't want to lose my hair. I didn't want to go through chemo. After the biopsy, I met with my surgeon, a surgeon, because we were expecting surgery, a full mastectomy. And she explained to me the HER2. She said, you know, it's great. We can do the targeted therapies. You're HER2 positive. What she didn't tell me was HER2 positive was a very aggressive form of cancer. I had to have a CAT scan and a PET scan. So the very first time I meet my oncologist, he meets me, he comes in, he introduces himself, and he says, do you know the results of your PET scan? No, no one's told me anything. He said, I got bad news. I didn't know what it was, I just immediately broke down, you know. I didn't know what he was going to tell me, but how do you get any worse than cancer? (laughs) And, um... He told me that they had found some spots in my liver and that they were pretty confident that it was cancer. And so at that moment, I knew what that meant. I knew that that was stage four cancer. I knew that that was terminal. And after what some stuff my dad went through, I honestly felt like I had been told I was gonna die. They told me that there would no longer be surgery because it's not gonna change my prognosis. And at this point, treatment is revolved around quality of life. My husband was with me. All I could think of is it hasn't been enough time. We had just celebrated our first year of marriage in September, and this was happening in December. Um, I just, I didn't know what to think, I didn't know what to say, I didn't know what to, I didn't know how to act, I mean, No one specifically said, you have X amount of time, but it didn't matter. I mean, it still felt like they were telling me, you're going to die. There were women in the church I grew up in. It it didn't matter what came their way. They were rocks, you know, and, and people would even say, she'll be okay. She's got great faith. And it wasn't too long ago that I prayed, God, let me be one of those women that has this great faith. Not understanding, (laughs) in order to have that great faith, you got to go through something pretty bad. When I learned, when I accepted the fact that I had not only to fight this, but I also had to embrace it, As part of what God wanted for my life, it completely changed the way I looked at this diagnosis. It went from a death sentence to a life sentence where I could say, okay, let's just go worst case scenario. I have 18 to 34 months. Let's make the most of it. You know, let's. I don't want to be in the bed crying when I can be living my life and loving my husband and loving my family and I just something inside me for the first time ever wanted to be close to God instead of running away from him for the first time I just I needed it I needed God this diagnosis has caused me to trust in God more than I've ever trusted before it's caused me to surrender. You know, at one point I remember, I don't know where it was in this whole process, but I remember praying and saying, okay, God, I give it to you. I give you my cancer, I give you my life, I give you my time here, I give you everything. I don't want to control it, you control it. And it's really weird because all my life I've heard you know, peace that surpasses all understanding. And I've never experienced it until now. Because I don't understand how I can be at peace with a terminal diagnosis. Um, I might live 15 years, 20 years, but I'm still considered to have a terminal illness. This is not a cancer that medically speaking is curable. It's treatable. You know, I'll be on treatment forever. Um, How can you be at peace with that? But I guess knowing because God's in control and before my mom and daddy ever thought about me, God knew how much time I was gonna have and exactly what day I was going to leave this earth and nothing from the time I've been born to the time I do die is going to change that. My prayer when I found out I had stage four cancer was never for God to heal me. I know that sounds crazy. You know, that's probably where most people go. My prayer was time. Just let me have time. Let me grow old with my husband care if I walk around with this cancer for 20 more years. Just let me have time. Because I know I'm going to be healed. I know it. I know it. Whether it's on this earth or God taking me home.
0: She's very special. And she is allowed God to transform her. I got to tell you, every conversation I have had with her has not been fake and even wishfully optimistic. She's been like, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know why me. In other words, she didn't know the reason. But she's moved beyond whoever and why ever and the reason. And she's let God transform her is horrible. A lot of the stuff of this broken world is horrible. And so that puzzle piece that is now in your life or the absence of one, are you going to quit or are you going to conquer it? Now, one last thing regarding that. God can transform anyone in the midst of anything if you quit you'll miss out on that so here's one i know this is heavy and i know for many of us this is a lot to walk through because anytime you're in the reality of life and what you are facing you don't like the reason for why you're facing it, or you are met with an unknown reason, I know that that's not full of satisfaction, but if you will own and press in and say, whatever this is, I don't like this, this is horrible, I don't know what to do, but if you will lock in to the powerful words that God makes sure we get, is that whatever you are going through or will go through, he wants you to conquer it. He wants you to kick its butt and walk through and be a champion on the other side. And the reasons behind it, the whys, the what caused it, all that kind of stuff, I do not think are as valuable as God transform me in the midst of this. You can be honest with him and say, I hate this. This is disgusting. This is horrible. This isn't fair. Whatever it is, you can say that to him, but he still wants to transform us in this. So here's what I'd like us to do. I want us to have a time of just having a conversation with God. And so let me invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and I want to pray for you. God, the reality of this group of people that I call family is that there is a, a bunch of us who don't know why and there's another crew that don't like the why but God we cry out to you and I think it's a cry I think it's a scream God I pray you will help every single person listening to become a conqueror God I pray for those who have not given their lives to you draw them in with you we are conquerors but for the folks who have no hope God would you please will you please intervene and bring hope where everything seems hopeless God will you give strength to people who feel so weak God will you Will you grab a hold of the people who are ready to quit? And don't let them quit. God, I pray for us as a church, us as the Black Hills region, us as a a nation, us as a world. God, there's so much brokenness and stuff just not going right. And I know you know that, but God, we pray and ask that you walk with us. We cry out to you and ask that you supply us, that you equip us, That you give us a supernatural bravery that transcends the circumstances. God, we need you and we want you. We claim victory over what we walk through and we give you full credit. We love you, God. We just simply ask that you help us. To walk with you and to become conquerors. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.